0: about how it's important to keep ourselves physically healthy to to be you know to be able to meditate easier and to be more mindful. I think, you know, just to talk about the mind-body connection a little bit, about how it's important it is to keep the physical
1: Okay, so um, what do you think about it? It's
2: hard to meditate when you feel lousy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Any other thoughts? I
3: think they go hand in hand. You really can't do just one and the other well continue your practice, you have to be mindful of getting your rest, mindful of exercising, eating well. Mm-hmm. So that you're able to you know, come to something like this
1: or do it at home with an open mind. did you have a thought? I, mean,
2: I was thinking of the dude walking across Niagara Falls on the Tiger Road It
0: That was incredible. Did it. And
2: if there was a mind-body connection. <laughs>
1: Okay, so then I think the, then the question comes in, what about somebody terminally ill? How did they do that? I, I don't know the answers, so, uh, you know, it's a discussion, so, yes?
0: It just strikes me that physical health is an, an external circumstance
1: that you might not be able to control. Okay.
0: And so, you, like I can't have my practice dependent on that, Like, I don't think it's it's good to be healthy, it's, it's helpful, but I don't think it's the answer to something. Yes? Well, I guess what I was thinking about is like, the connection, about being mindful about what you're, what you're doing to your body. I mean, how, well how, like overeating or smoking or doing doing different things, how that affects your, your practice, I guess. Oh, okay. About you know, uh, I guess it starts with mindfulness, like she said. I guess it's all connected. So if you're mindful, you're you're probably gonna take better care of your physical your physical being.
1: Because I strongly believe the. Uh, the whatever the path you pick, you know, it could be too religious, maybe it could be agnostic, it could be, what is the other kind, there is another one, atheist, whatever your path is, I think it's very personal. And so based on that, you decide where you want to go and how you want to practice and how often you want to do it. And so I think it's a very uh, personal thing. It's just my opinion, but some people believe different ways, you know. It's not personal for some people at all. But for me, my practice is very personal. So, the, Because I, I work with the developmentally disabled people, so there are you know, situations that some people are physically healthy, but they are mentally not healthy. <coughs> and there are people mentally healthy but they are not physically healthy and so i think it's go what did you, what did you say hand on yes. hand so um, <clears throat> yes it is um, but i think that uh, i agree with jill that we have to um, i like what when jason says that when he does yoga he says that uh, respect your capacity right isn't that what you say
0: Respect your capacity,
1: respect your limitations. Limitations. And it's. I think it's very important to, you know, this is about understanding who you are, because um, accept who you are. Most of the time what we do is we are trying to be something that we are not. You know, it's that's why we struggle through our life so much, because we are always trying to be somebody or be something that... that because we are conditioned to certain ideas, we we have a very really conditional mind that you know we have to achieve certain things, we have to have certain things in order to uh, be happy, I guess, content with your life. But um, but I don't think that's the way to go. Because now more and more the Western people finding that's not that's not the right path. And they, you have to change it. It's, it's not that they try to understand who I am, what I am, and you know, respect yourself more and understand. If you have issues, just to understand those things, accept those things. And uh, not pretending, No, you know, understand the, the, the reality. So our practice is all about that. It's respecting you and accepting and uh, understanding about yourself. So I think um, when it's come come to this uh, metaphysical you know, uh, practice connections and we we have to understand that it's it's about a lot of the time respecting your limitations because I see when it's come to meditation people have so many misconceptions about myths just like you know about with everything else um, so some people think uh, your posture, it's very important. Because, you know, when you, when you read a book that they explained to you that you have to have certain things, you know, a cushion, and you have to have cross-legged, and so people get so attached to those things. And, and I see that people really don't want to accept how they are. And they have so much aversion towards themselves because not being able to sit 15 minutes uh, or 20 minutes straight. And I think it's completely okay. That's who you are, and you have to accept it. And when I was a teenager, I used to sit three hours straight, cross-legged. But now I can't do it. I am getting old. so, you know, when you look when you at <coughs> that, when you understand that, it, it's easy, you just let it go. You, you cannot, that's who you are. And there is no point to suppress things. There is no point to achieve things that hurt you, that um, um, build aversion towards yourself. So you have to respect your limitations. And,
2: um, when you're talking, I was thinking about one thing I learned with my practice about myself is I'm an extremist. So when I first came to the Dhamma, I, and you're describing exactly what my process was, I if I couldn't sit for 45 minutes. Then I wasn't going to sit at all. Or if I, you know, I don't know, had noise distractions, it really bothered me. And over the years since I've been practicing, I actually spend a lot less time now on my cushion. I don't practice formally on my cushion as much because I recognized that that was causing me problems in my life. It was creating suffering, my practice was. And so it's really changed my approach to life even. I mean, I saw that I was so extreme in my practice, and then I began to recognize it in a lot of different areas of my life, and I feel like I progressed that way. So I, I had to let go of the intellectual part of the practice and trying to follow all the rules and do everything exactly right. And, Just interesting
1: when we're talking, I see that that's completely changed who I am now. Even that, when it's come to the uh, the mental part, you know, the mind, people try so hard to control it. Why do you want to control it? It's not about controlling. So that's that's something that we have to understand very clearly. This is not about controlling anything. It's about and it's a it's a research that you do about yourself and you are finding your uh, you know physical restrictions that you have and then you realize oh man my mind is crazy it's okay laugh <laughs> Laug at it have fun enjoy and people always think that you know i'm speaking for myself so i'm here and i teach guide meditation and i practice every day and people think that 40 45 minutes i don't have distractions i have so many distractions especially when i try to guide meditation i my language is not english and i have to think before i say something and it's a process that i go through it's really sad because when I practice 40, uh, 30 minutes here, I only get to practice like 10 minutes because the other whole time I have to think what I'm gonna say, and sometimes I forget about you know, forget about saying, and I just let it whatever you want to do, and then I do my practice. <laughs> I just get tired with you know thinking to say stuff. And so, yes, it is, um, we have to to see that, we have to understand that. I think it's very important. Thank you for asking that question, Jay. Thank you. So any other questions, ideas you want to share? Yes. Do we not have to try and push ourselves and extend
3: ourselves to be able to pull back and then realize where we're comfortable? Are. because I'm not sure that I really, I suppose as I'm older now, when I was younger, I think you're experimenting and you're trying new things and trying new things out and then from those experiences you, you get to know yourself better and I think throughout life, I mean here I am even now, experimenting and trying something I've never tried before and learning more about myself and um, and I think that one has to, or I
1: personally, have to be able to try things and extend myself in order to understand myself. Yeah, that's fine. But it's okay to try things, but you, you shouldn't uh, torture yourself. That's what <laughs> I mean. Some people, that's what some people do. Some people really like when it's when it's come to meditation. People have this all these weird ideas that you have to. I think it's a lot, but because of reading. So you read a book that written by Han, and then you come here and you try it. Whatever that he explained, people don't understand that what he experienced. That's not you. And if he explained to you. 30 minutes of practice that this, this is this is this is step by step and you are trying to do that 30 minutes that basically a screw up <laughs> it doesn't work like that i am son i have limitations i am born premature and there are so many things physical fa- factors mental factors and the environment that you are going to said the people that you associate with there are so many things that you have to understand it 's not just a one thing so I think uh, when you it 's it's okay to try new things, but when you do that, there are two things that would be talk about you have to make sure that you don 't harm yourself and you don 't harm others and so if you you know trying new things is going to harm yourself it's it's not good and i hear that people complain about i think it's because of a lot sitting i my knees are getting really <laughs> if you know it stop it that's why we have <laughs> chairs here <laughs> i did try a couple of times on the cushion yeah there really is really uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly so just you know, it's it's our it's our ego. We don't wanna we don't want other to see that I can't sit on, on the floor with uh, you know having cross legged because it's it affects your ego. You you know you, want, you you don't want them to think that you are old. It's not that <laughs> you are old, but I'm saying you know it just uh, that's how that's how we are. Just accept who you are, <coughs> and I think it's a beautiful thing. There is nothing wrong with it. Yes.
2: Yeah, but I think you know,
1: (coughs) if you have a little,
2: (laughs) if you have a little pain in your leg or something, you know, definitely you should stop because your your body's telling you. You know, but that doesn't mean that you go to a chair and sit for the rest of your life in a chair. I mean, you can you can practice and build up to it a little bit at a time every
1: day. And and I know for myself. I I'm, I'm able to sit cross-legged for a long periods of time because I did a little bit at a time. I didn't do it right away for an hour. You know, it's, it's something you can not cultivate or practice. Yeah. Well, sometimes, um, sometimes you have to check with the doctor too because I really can't tell you what's really going on with your knee. I went to the doctor and he said you had to quit sitting. And I said, well, you're asking something that I cannot do. <laughs> And he was like, um, well, that's all I can say. Just sit on a chair when you practice. And so when I practice by myself at the, in the room, I just, I don't do this. I keep my legs like this. So, you know, you have to be practical with certain things. I think otherwise, uh, sometimes some things that cannot fix. So you have to understand that and quit your bed. Habits. Otherwise, it's going to make the situation worse. Yes. Thank
0: you. That's such a relief. <laughs> 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 I
1: always thought I had a spirit like this, and I, I have to try to push Oh, I'm sorry. I I told Joe that you can sit on a chair. No, I know. Mean,
0: I, I but I, I it's when I meditated at home, I don't
3: trying to push through it, you know, the discomfort. Yeah. And, uh, usually I can, and I think I have to up a little more stamina for it. And I'm a little confused about all the evidence about how sitting this way versus sitting that way affects how, you know, the whole process works. And I'm not sure if there is a, an advantage
0: to sitting this way
1: no, you can take a walk if you feel like really, you, you know, if your legs start to fall asleep, you can just get up and actually take a walk. But the problem here is that we think, oh, I don't want to distract other people. It's not about others, it's about you. Be a little selfish, it's okay. <laughs> I
0: going to say, isn't it? about making yourself comfortable enough to have conducive conditions that are conducive to the practice. So making yourself comfortable. So it doesn't mean you have to do this or that. It just means you personally making yourself feel well and comfortable <coughs> enough that you're even if you're lying down, I mean, if you physically can't sit up.
1: Yeah, these whatever. You know, all these things that we talked about explain in 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 sutras, in Buddhist teachings Buddhist teachings and he said that you have it to sit and when you feel uncomfortable you take a walk and so you take a walk and if you feel like you don't want to sit down again lay down if you fall asleep, well that's not my problem so <laughs> you have to deal with that but so you can try all these different things and be. It's very important to be comfortable not to hurt yourself. And so, because when you try that, your mind really gets distracted. Your, the focus gets really distracted. So there is a, a, a connection there. And so, you don't do anything right. Yes?
3: I, I think studying an intent has a lot to do with it for me.
1: What is it? I think
3: Sorry. setting an intent has a lot to do for me. Uh-huh. You know, what I'm trying to do actually, whether I'm trying to practice or whether I'm trying you know, to work on something physically or mentally or, um, you know, what it is. Maybe that doesn't make a lot of sense to somebody else. And I know last, last summer I was training for a competitive event that uh, I'm surprised I did it. but. I set the intent, and I trained, I did well, I finished strong, thank God I don't have to do it again. Um, but I think if I hadn't really decided I'm going to do this, I wouldn't have.
1: Yeah, I don't know, I agree with it completely. We are, to a certain degree, yes, but I, I still think that we are, like if we, if we have 50 people here, we all have different personalities. <coughs> we all are different well, physiologically they will find all these similarities, but again, when it's comes to certain things, how we have, you know, grew up, the environment that we had, and the training that we had, the balance, and all these things, it's, it's different from person to person. You know, you will see that I am young, but I can't run because I screwed on my feet. It, it's, it's a fact that somebody doesn't know. So, even though I have the intention that I want to really run, I can't. Because my feet doesn't support me. me. And I can't get help because I don't have health insurance.
2: For me, that, for me, personally, that's where I ran into trouble, was if I had an objective or a goal I was trying to attain, in my practice, that's where I got into that extremism and kind of an attachment to an outcome. So, for me, that's where I just, if I start to sit and... Well, fur things are just like or Yeah. I have a friend who, um,
3: that I ride with, and she's a really, really good horse person. And last, not, I don't remember, a year or two ago, she broke her back. And she did it because she was just not listening to the little voice inside. She had a mare that was anybody can ride, a very safe horse. She put her up against an unsecured, um, like a hay wagon. It, it was not hitched to anything because she wanted to get on quickly instead of going through the process of getting her, her mounting block or however the hell she gets on. So. She, I asked her about this, and she said she knew, inside, the voice, the little voice said, this is not safe, you shouldn't do it, but I'm the daredevil and I can do this. So she did it. Well, when she stepped on the wagon, the wagon moved, the horse only took one step, but she fell from her mounting, she broke her back. And the point that I'm making is, you know, if you have a little voice that tells you something, you should listen to it. But on the other hand, you shouldn't just wuss out all the time and have your that's my opinion, anyway. That your your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller because, well, I'm tired, or well, I have a little bit of an ache today, or gee, I don't really feel like doing it, you know. And so you end up just less and less life. The end.
2: Did you have a Zoom? Uh, well, I just wanted.
1: I had a question. Yeah. Um, where did this cross-legged sitting come from?
3: Did Buddha
1: invent that in Well, that was in India, you know, they were into yoga a lot. So they they practiced that Lotus post, you know posture. So this certain type of the way that we said goes way back. It's like maybe more than two thousand five hundred years. <coughs> it goes back that, you know, because certain things that would be picked up from Hindu culture. So the, the yoga is Hinduism. So they have these large um, postures that they practice. So is there something special about sitting cross legged? <laughs> not really. <laughs> well, it helps you to keep well, your back straight. Oh, well, yeah. I was, was going to say
0: it's more about keeping the spine straight, keeping your mind alert and not sleep because if you're slouching or if you're sitting in a different way, you might be slouchy and drowsy.
1: I think it's like tying the cat. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much and uh